1: Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen.
0: Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London Eastwood Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast. A podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. Head over to our friends, WorldSoccerShop.com, for the best Chelsea gear around all right, my name is Brandon, and joining me for another episode are Dan and Nick. Dan, what in the world have you been up to this weekend besides basking in Chelsea's victory?
1: Oh, that, that's probably the first bit, because uh, it was an you know, early kickoff for us, but uh, i actually been to Disney this weekend, and currently driving home, so I think I might be the uh, most muffled I've ever been on this podcast. Muffled, but not muzzled. So yes. So plenty of great opinions to share.
0: All right. Very good. Nick, uh, what about you, man?
2: Oh, you know, I had a pretty productive day when you have to wake up at 6 a.m. to watch soccer. I got a lot of a lot of housekeeping stuff done. Kind of a boring adult day yesterday, but watched my Nebraska Cornhuskers go to 6 and 0 for the first time in 15 years. So I'm pretty excited about that.
0: You know, you get up early. There's so many more hours in the day. You just
2: <laughs> didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, I slept in today, though, so I think yeah, I'm, I'm gaining back some of the, the lost sleep.
0: Good. I'm glad to hear you made up for it. Uh, in this episode, we're going to go ahead and be covering the Leicester City trip to Stanford Bridge this past Saturday. Uh, we'll definitely be talking about Conte slash his backroom staff changes, possibly. Uh, Depends if you listen to the bookies or not. And we'll go ahead and answer your social media questions as well. Uh, And then we'll go ahead and wrap up with a look ahead to the Jose
2: return to Stanford Bridge. (laughs) Except this
0: time he'll be on the other side of the dugout, Nick.
2: Yeah, I'm sure there won't be anything to talk about with that. So, yes. It'll be
1: actually quite a quiet build-up to the match.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, since we didn't do a pod last week blame the international break not us we didn't schedule it uh we thought we'd make sure you know we did something a little extra special for all of you out there so we asked our great friend dan levine to join us so welcome back dan
3: hi great to be here
0: so nick you know as we've you know continued to talk about our guests and caps i mean dan i think he's probably the outright leader
2: i'm pretty sure i you know i know that joe tweeds had a I'll run there for a while to try and make up some ground on you, Dan, but I'm pretty sure you're our most capped guest to this point.
3: Uh, that's an honor, an honor. It make, does that make me a captain leader legend, almost?
2: <laughs> mm. I think so. <laughs> that, what what would lead. Tweeds be, then? Would Tweeds be the Lampard of the group?
1: He's more sure like, he's a, like, a, uh, like a Seth Fabregas. You know, they can only play in a very specific type of role.
2: No, Joe's, Joe's more flexible than that. He's more of a Dave. <laughs> uh, we just need 11 of them yeah we'll
0: have to reach out and see what tweets thinks about that but uh, <laughs> gentlemen part one match review let's let's get stuck in let's dig right into this uh because the reigning premier league champions Leicester city came to stanford bridge back in premier league action this past saturday as you all know by now unless you were hiding under rock chelsea three foxes zero we did we did throw some predictions out. Dan was texting us late at night, saying, "Hey, we forgot to do this. What do you guys think?" So, Dan, what, where were we at?
1: Uh, well, none of us got it right. Uh, I mean, we—you know—two of us did predict, yeah, two of us did predict a win. Uh, one of us was a little bit more pessimistic, uh, guessed a draw, in, uh, in Nick. Yep. And uh, and that didn't happen. So uh, so, Brent and I kind of like got a half. I don't know, something like that. We 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 keep really, really, you know, an official scoring for this. So I'm, I'm sure we could talk about a record at some point.
2: <laughs> We'd all have zero points if it were a table. So oh no, Brandon got one right. It's yeah. true. It he, was
1: he's a table leader.
0: Yeah, at this point in the season it was a fluke. But <laughs> I do want to say thanks to Jay for go ahead and asking our Facebook group. Uh, for score predictions Uh, jay posted in there saying what do we all think jt's back williams out three four three uh asking some questions and Maman khan go ahead and predicted that three nothing win Uh, so shout out to you two for kind of get that ball rolling as we always kind of love to see you guys get in because you're clearly better at this than us Um, but you know nick rattling through the goals We started off Costa with the scoring. He now has seven goals in seven games. And here's a fun fact for you. Since Costa joined Chelsea in July 2014, only Sergio Aguero, 55, and Harry Kane, 48, have scored more goals in the Premier League than Diego Costa, who's on 38. And that is thanks to 4-4-2.
2: Well, he's certainly um, gone through some ups and downs in form. That's that's nothing new. And has had injuries and has had suspensions. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, 38 is actually a pretty impre- impressive number. If he keeps on that pace this year, I mean, he'll he'll close the gap on Harry Kane for sure. Um, but he, he's just – he finds, you know, the, the goal he scored yesterday, the perfect Diego goal. He finds himself in the right spot. He, he hits it kind of awkwardly. It goes in. He, he doesn't score pretty goals. You know, I don't think that's ever been his trademark. But they go in the back of the net, and that's what matters.
1: Well, and he also doesn't take penalties like Aguero. So, valid. Think about what his uh, goal record could be.
0: Well, I guess you know, bringing Dan Levine in on this, um, you know, with the goals yesterday, obviously Hazard got one shortly after. Uh, we did see a lot of the. The number twos on the hands being held up for William in 22. Um, I mean, that was pretty, you know, I, I don't know, I guess. What, so how was the atmosphere with all the goals raining in and kind of tributes to William and everything?
3: I think it was great. It's always a little bit funny playing games on a, on a lunchtime kickoff because an awful lot of the atmosphere in the ground does come from the amount of ale that's been imbibed by the people there. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> the earlier you start, the less that you have a chance to get it down you. Um, but it was good good uh, good uh, atmosphere and i think the reaction yeah when chelsea are cruising people are loving it and uh, it was a really really positive a really quite emotional display for, for william who, who couldn't be there of course
0: with that being said i guess so over here in america i don't think you can really start serving alcohol until seven in the morning is there a restriction <laughs> like that over in the uk as well
3: uh, there, there are ways around it we've got we've got quite open <clears throat> excuse me licensing laws here now uh, and on a saturday in particular it's, it's not not too difficult on a sunday it's more difficult um but you know it's just a, a logistics thing people get out of bed at certain times so there's less less time to to refresh i think
0: sure no that makes total sense um You know, I guess so as we get through that uh, halftime, you know, cruising to the result two nothing, and then uh, Victor Moses just showed us that he literally cannot stop running and that he's got mad hops with that backflip, even in the 89th minute, Dan. I mean, this guy, um, you know, just has an unbelievable motor.
3: Yeah, I I think he does, and and, uh, we'll maybe talk about this a little bit later, but he fits so so well against all the odds into this wing back position that Conte has created for him. Um yeah he goes forward, he goes back, he puts in the miles, he never ever stops. And he's so fast as well. Um but he's also quite an intelligent player. He thinks a good pass, he thinks a good game. Um and yeah you know, one of the questions is where where have you been for the last three years, mate?
0: Well he's been in preseason and that's about it.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, so I guess I have an honest question. So I saw the other of the Chelsea players are posting on Instagram after the match, you know, that there's a lot of support for William, but I also heard there's a lot of support for Oscar. Um, Can some when you guys fill me in on the Oscar part is just because he's down there with William right now?
3: No, I've got the inside on that. Basically, Oscar has a, at the moment, a family illness, Um, I think um, quite a, a serious one. And so he's also been given some compassionate leave to go and see his family in Brazil. It's not linked to the Williams situation, but it's just unfortunate timing.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that makes good sense. And I'm glad we brought you back on the pod, Dan Levine. (laughs) All right. um, Nick. So three, four, three, the lineup is back for a second game running. Um, Starting to kind of see some, some specifics uh, with the formation. Um, even kind of player personnel, but without William uh, being there, Ivanovic was injured. Uh, JT just coming back off injury, same with Zuma. Um, the lineup was pretty static for the most part, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, very, very similar uh, to the previous match. I think the 3-4-3 is kind of the preferred uh, setup. So Cahill, uh, Luis, and Azpilicueta is your your back three. Courtois on goal. Alonso getting... Uh, well-deserved start on the left. Victor Moses at that uh, previously mentioned, right wing back. Conte and Matich in the middle. Uh, Hazard, Pedro, and Diego Costa as uh, kind of your, your front three, which you know, kind of gave them all a little bit more room to you know, interact and, and mingle a little bit. So very strong starting lineup against uh, the former champions. Anything, uh, I guess, it surprised you,
0: Dan Dormer, as far as when this came out? I know everyone was pretty much assuming John Terry was going to roll right back in, but uh, that wasn't the case today.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if there was anything surprising about it. I think anything was, uh, I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot of option, you know, beyond Pedro or William. So, the only thing you could have looked at is maybe, you know, does Moses push up further position? But beyond that, I thought it was a strong lineup. and. You know, definitely gave, you know, Leicester a look at what they were missing with Conte, you know, really putting together a successful performance again.
0: All right. Well, I guess, Dan, I mean, what about you from the starting lineup perspective? Uh, anything that maybe we missed at a first glance?
3: I uh, know I think that, that pretty much covers it. I think a lot of the talk was certainly about uh, whether JT was going to be in there. Um, the difficulty, of course, is if, if Chelsea are going to play a three at the back and, and they are going to have that sort of mobile unit with wingbacks, Where does John Terry fit into that? Um, And uh, that may be a bit of a a narrative going forward as the season progresses, um, because he will, of course, be wanting to play. Um, But aside from that, all, all pretty straightforward.
0: The big arguments, you know, when JT was out was how this team couldn't keep a clean sheet. You know, obviously, when we did the formation switch against Hull and kept a clean sheet, and now we're two weeks on the trot with clean sheets. Uh, But no, John Terry, I wonder if maybe the formation is the long-term kind of solution to that rather than just saying, oh, if if we have four of the back and JT, then we're good to go. Uh, So that I'm sure this will be kind of interesting to see how it all develops and goes forward and it's not going to get any easier for him as Zuma regains full fitness as well but (coughs) another interesting piece um let's go ahead and talk about the bench so no Fabregas at all in this team but then we have five academy graduates I'm including JT but Oleena, Shalaba, um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Solanke um, that's only four did I miss someone or am I just bad at counting? One, two, three, four, five. Solanke, Ruben Laptashik, Shalaba, Olen, and JT. Perfect. They're my five. Um, Nick, so this had to have been like the bench of Abramovich's dreams.
2: Well, right. I mean, if you have three, four senior players missing out um, due to various family situations, injuries, all that kind of stuff, this is what should happen. Uh, you're, you should definitely give your, uh, your bench a much-needed... Uh, injection of youth and uh, you know three of these players got to log some minutes yesterday for their for their home debuts um, except for Ruben who has obviously played before at home but uh, you know it's, it's fantastic to see uh, Conte put them in a position to succeed and then also uh, give them an opportunity uh, to play when, when kind of the game was tucked away so fantastic 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 and we'll get into shallow a little bit later.
0: Um, Dan Levine, I guess from your, your perspective as well, uh, seeing these guys on the bench, but then also is this pretty much a one-off because we did have a few of the senior guys missing?
3: I think, that, I think it is. Um, but but um, Antonio Conte is quite clearly keen to bring in uh, some of the kids from the uh, from the, uh, the, the BU setup. He, he talks about it quite regularly. Every time he brings one through, he makes a point of mentioning it in the press conference. Um, and he seems particularly keen, I think, on Chalabar. Um, and uh, I think for a lot of people who've seen him develop through the youth ranks, he is one of the ones that people are really desperate to see succeed, so that's great news.
0: So you think if Chaliba succeeds, Chelsea are just going to start sending all their lone players to Italy because that seems to be the most successful thing at this point?
3: It's, it's an interesting, interesting one, isn't it, because he, he got a bit of um, sort of top-tier action there. Um, certainly Chelsea are looking very, very long and hard about how their loan situation works. Um, there's there's a, a, a concession there that hasn't quite properly worked in the past. So I think they're open to any suggestions, really.
0: I know Lewis Baker's doing well, just scored a cracking free kick uh, in the Eredivisie, but it's still not been the proven recipe of sending people to Vitesse. So I, I'm interested to see how it, how it evolves. Um, what about Fabregas? Um, any specific news on that?
3: Yeah, he, he had a, a minor injury, um, so you know, his omission is, is on that basis. And the same with uh, Ivanovic and uh, Mikel, I think. Um, so, I mean, you can read into it whatever you like, um, but I, it does seem that he doesn't quite fit within the structure that Conte sees at Chelsea. So, it may be one to watch there, I think.
1: There is the uh, the news this <coughs> morning, too, that he is going to be a father of a new boy, too. So, uh, that's uh, at least one exciting thing going on for him.
0: Yeah, he posted a nice little photo on social media. He is obviously excited about that. So I guess we can put the uh, the rumors to bed. He did at least have a knock, uh, and that's why um, he wasn't in the oh lineup. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Nick, so how badly did Leicester City miss Conte? Scale of one to
2: terribly. Um, terribly? I mean, N'Golo Conte was incredible yesterday. in the, you know, if, if M- Victor Moses has a motor, you know, what what does he have? Because he was flying all over the pitch. He, you know, got into a, a little bit more of an advanced role during this match than we've seen in the past. You know, him and uh, Neman Nematic were kind of switching off who was going to track back on, on certain counterattacks. And it looks like he is like the most, like, of all the players you can plug into a team. It looks like he is, like, the most ready-made positional element that you could possibly have. Uh, he is just fantastic. And, uh, you know, some quick numbers to go through. He had 100 touches, 86 passes, 87% passing accuracy, five interceptions, four tackles, two chances created. Should have had a goal.
0: And <laughs> one goal missed. <laughs>
2: yeah. Like, I mean, Should it was – that goal. Huh? Yeah, I mean, it was heartbreaking for him to miss that because, you know, his shooting to this point has left a lot to be desired. But, <laughs> you know, I, I – what more do you need to say? I mean, the passing accuracy, I guess, could go up a little bit, but, I mean, he's just he's ridiculous. He's fantastic, and, and he's someone who I, I love just watching every match.
0: You know, Dan, Dan Dormer, my man over there, leaving Disney. How good does Conte look when you're on vacation versus sitting at home barely awake like the rest of us?
1: I think he looks fantastic in any setting. I don't even know. Like, you could be in the, the worst moments of your life and watch the way that he played yesterday Assured that he is going to be uh, quite critical and a uh, wonderfully uh, accurate addition to what it is that, you know, Conte is looking to do with this side. And I think he's truly a, a perfect player in this uh, the 3 4 three setup.
0: Well, thankfully, uh, just so you know, Dan Levine, uh, our Twitter people that voted in our poll uh, also agreed that Conte was the man of the match. Um, But I believe Chelsea FC put out an official one, and it was pretty much split between uh, Hazard, um, Conte, Moses, and Costa. So I guess, like, overall yesterday, was he, like, the super standout for you as well? Or was it kind of more of just, like, a complete team performance from your view in the press box?
3: No, I, th- I think it was a very good team performance, but I would say, yeah, know Canto was was for me the standout. I, I think often when um, you, you've obviously got uh, listening here, you've got a connoisseurs' audience, if you like. You know, you've got people who are very engaged in it, and um, the um, uh, when when Chelsea put one out through the official website, a lot of it is people who are maybe not quite as clued up. Hazard gets his own personal vote. Um, and so that goes into it. I think Hazard was actually absent from the game for a large part of the, the first half. But um, looking at the breakdown there, who's your man in the match? 49% Kante, 27% Moses. I think that's precisely how I'd expect it to be.
0: Well, you know, I think that it, besides Hazard taking his opportunity fantastically well off the back heel of the defender and off his forehead unknowingly um, – <laughs> Yeah, you know, probably could have been a little more involved. Uh, I believe it was your tweet, Dan Levine, uh, saying that Conte spent about the first 15 minutes just yelling Eden over and over and over.
3: Pretty much. He was about maybe, I suppose, 10 yards in front of me, and, and this just went on and on and on. And it was quite laughable for a bit because cause it seemed like Hazard was paying no attention whatsoever to him. But, uh, you know, them's the breaks as a manager. All right. Getting well, very
1: interesting if uh are the uh gift of choice for uh, conte this season
3: well well um conte did, did was asked about this afterwards and uh, he said you know if i play two games a week sometimes unfortunately for you journalists i lose my voice he goes but i'd rather i'd rather have no voice than be in the champions league that's a fair trade yeah
2: i'd, I'd take it for sure
0: Well, you know, guys, speaking of Modish, because I heard you talking about him, um, you know, in the background, he's starting to settle into the 3-4-3 formation. Um, So is this just kind of a thing of him understanding his role better now that we've done this for a couple weeks? Um, Or is this just uh, the the formational change from the 4-2-3-1 to the 3-4-3, just really what's benefiting him? I mean, I guess... To me, there's no doubting his quality. It was just a matter of him really understanding what he needed to be to do to be successful in this system. Um, so I guess you know, Dan Dormer, what do you think of uh, Mr. Madich? Well,
1: I think it's a it's a partnership issue. And I think initially, you know, it seemed like Conte and Madich were both trying to do the exact same thing on the pitch, which is you know uh, admirable. But you know, Conte does have a little bit of a better motor in him than Madich does. You know, Conte is the the cheetah. Going across the, the prairie and uh, manages the, you know, giraffe kind of just you know lumbering through the, you know, the Serengeti or what what have you. So ultimately, you know, I think manage has kind of settled down and figured out how to work with Conte versus work in opposition of him. And I think that's starting to yield some pretty awesome results.
2: I, can What's I think? jump in on that one though? Because I think for the most part, the first half, and maybe Dan Levine can can check me here, but. I thought for the most part, uh Nemanja Matic was kind of lost in the first half of this game. Um it was only the second half where he and and Conte started to like officially kind of switch you know roles and and, you know, if one went forward the other one would kind of take a little bit of a back seat and and go on from that point. But uh, you know, the first half it was kind of a mess and you know, they were luckily Leicester City had nothing in attack to really, you know, threaten uh Chelsea, but uh, it was, you know, I think this is something that we're going to have to watch going forward because it's not a hundred percent, you know, solved. I, I don't think.
3: I think that's that's a very valid point, and I think um, that's something that we need to be aware of with Manchester United coming down next weekend. Um, I think um, we Chelsea were given a bit of an easy ride in that first half. The one thing I will say though about Matic is that something very different to him this season that wasn't there last season. He looks like he wants to be there. Um, which is a real positive he's not quite firing on all cylinders yet and getting it right but he actually looks like he's committed
0: you know especially with him with all the rumors that he's gonna be leaving this summer i think that um, maybe he has finally just um, you know got on board with the conte train and and he's he's bought in but um, man that that's that's really helpful because you know Monich, obviously, we all have been upset because he's been on a, on a rough ride. Obviously, no one was really standout last year, but he had such a great start to his second coming at Chelsea, uh, and then it's all gone away. So um, I'm, I'm personally just really excited to see him kind of have, like you said, Dan Levine, a little more passion and excitement for showing up uh, for Chelsea um Nisar Kinsella um another friend that we met while he was in Minneapolis writes for goal UK said uh, that Modich now has more assists this season than he did the entire last season to be fair Nick we're only going from two to three but hey it's an improvement
2: <laughs> well I mean yeah and we're we're eight games in so there's some obvious improvement there um and I think that you know when when you look at him, he he's such he's such kind of an awkward athlete. You know, he's so big and long. And I think Dan Dormer's giraffe uh analogy was was very, you know, spot on there. He's just you know, giraffes can get moving, but it takes him a little while, whereas N'Golo Conte can definitely just go from zero to sixty uh much more quickly. And uh, you know, he's he's someone that it just you know, he's able to shove people off the ball very easily. It doesn't look like he's moving very fast, even though he's covering ground. He's just someone I think we need to give a little bit more time to in this formation, but certainly has the body uh, and the athleticism in kind of a weird way to make it work.
1: Well, and He had that great awareness for you know, Eden's goal to hold up play just a little bit and kind of get into that slow, lumbering march forward and really picked the perfect time to allow the defenders to draw into him and then release heading forward, which was, you know, ended up working out very well.
0: Well, you know what? Let's go ahead and keep on talking about the, uh, the three, four, three formation, I guess. Um, this is a huge change for Chelsea. Uh, it's been talked about so much though, because obviously Conte used it at Juventus and with Italy, you know, three at the back is kind of his schema that he likes. Um, but I think the two standouts that we weren't really sure what we're going to get from this season, especially in a, I guess, technically defensive role, are Marcos Alonso and Victor Moses. Um, obviously, I think that, again, we've only played Hull in Leicester two weeks. But I think that they've adapted really, really well. Um, so let's go ahead; we can talk about that. Uh, another thing I wanted to point out is I'm not so sure about Aspilicueta's long-term futures as a center back, but it's working for now, obviously. And I'm interested to see kind of how that goes. Maybe if he replaces Alonso in the long term when Zuma comes back. So I'm just throwing a couple things out there for us to discuss. Um, you know, Nick, go ahead, take your stab. Three-four-three. Three, what do you think so far?
2: We'll talk about Moses in a bit because he, he is well-deserving of his own section, but Alonzo has been very impressive to me Um, and, you know, largely in an attacking sense, but uh, I think he also is, is big and strong and is able to defend uh, when he wants to on, on set pieces. You know, I think there's a lot of work to do for that. Um, But, you know, I think you make a really interesting point about Dave. Um, I'm, I'm such a fan of Dave uh, that, you know, to me, anything, you know, that guy does is, is good, but I actually think he does have a feature in a back three. He's so fast and he's a lot stronger than I think people give him credit for, even though he's not built like Zuma or JT. Um, I, and he's just, I think more tactically aware than a lot of um, right or left backs um, kind of of his ilk. So uh, I think he, he might, try and lock down one of those places but you know again with Zuma and JT and that whole dynamic coming through the weird the weird part about it all is you know when we're playing four at the back we don't nearly have enough cover when we're playing three at the back it feels as if we have a big selection problem so it's a it's it's really weird and goofy but um Dan Levine any thoughts on that
3: yeah it's an interesting one isn't it because it it does change the dynamic an awful lot I think um 3-4-3 3-4-3 three, three is an odd one, because in, in England, in the Premier League, I think we're quite guarded and we're quite protected against that as a formation. We like very, very straight, organised football. Um, you know, we, we like our, our fullbacks to be tough tackling, and we like our wingers to be bombing down and putting in a cross from the corner flag. And so when people in the past have tried things like 3-4-3, three, three with, with fluid backs and three at the back... Um, for example, uh, Louis van Karl when he did it at um, Manchester United, it was not only did it not work because he did it wrong, but people were very, very resistant to it indeed. Conte, however, seems to have this understanding and by using Alonso and Moses, he's got two really, really good pawns in there and it works together so, so well with uh, with Conte uh, in the middle. Um, the, the question is, of course, can it work against the bigger sides and that's what we're we're yet to properly see but the point that was made earlier about aspi and his long term future it's is very very apt because he does feel an awful lot in this formation like the guy who's left over after a chair's been taken away in a game of musical chairs there's just nowhere for him to sit and that that is worrying because he's a very popular player at chelsea
0: you know, jumping back in before I kick it over to Dan Dormer, you know, I think that Espi Laqueta could potentially yeah, well not potentially, he definitely could uh give Marcus Alonso a run on the on the left. Obviously Victor Moses has had some hamstrings, some little injury issues. So, you know, maybe it becomes something where, you know, just by not having a decision to make, uh it, he'll be able to get some time in, in that attacking wing back position. You know, but the other thing is is it Victor Moses probably surprised Conte about how difficult of a decision this is going to be at the end of it because no one's really seen him play a full season. It's been quite a while. Uh, and so that's um, – you know, as managers always say they love having those hard decisions to make. So, Dan Dormer, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, well,
1: I think it's a – if he continues playing like he plays right now, I don't think it's a hard decision. I think he was – Always been dubbed as the preseason messy, as someone who shows up on the U.S. or Chinese or Australian tour and able to piece it together on alone due to things such as injury or lack of play time. And now we're getting a chance to really evaluate Moses, you know, from a you know a full ninety, which I think we all felt, you know, and most of the, the fans felt pretty pretty much in line with the fact that he was. If Angola Conte wasn't there that he would have been the man in the match. So, you know, but I think Moses, in addition any player, will keep their space on the team as long as their performance and their dedication to the plan is in line with what, you know, Conte's expectations are. Yeah. Alonso earning time, I think you see that with Moses getting in there. I think you see that with Pink over some of the youth players. I, I think that ultimately, Ultimately, it's all about, you know, what you're going to do to help the team win, not you as an individual in the name of the back of the shirt. And uh, I think that, you know, any player is subject to, to not starting um, from captain, leader legend all the way down.
2: Yeah, I, I just want to jump in because I think uh, Dan, Le- Le- Dan Levine made a really good point in that the three four three is much more of a, an amoeba where you have a lot of different players who can play multiple roles on the team uh who are interchanging and you know in different just generally different spots on the pitch than than maybe your standard 442 or 433 you know would kind of lend so uh you know i think victor moses can play both the right wing back and you know kind of that more attacking uh you know position on the right whatever they want to call that as part of the attacking three you know Marcus Alonso can both play left back and you know kind of the more you know the the wing back area that he's playing you know Nemanja Matić can can play up if he needs to you know Eden Hazard can rotate a lot more William can can jump inside and there's just a lot of flexibility Dave can obviously play the wing back as well uh and I think that's just a fantastic spot to be in uh, you know the the big question which will be looming large with the Liverpool and Arsenal games in a, you know, kind of previously uh, conceded would be can, can this work against teams with higher quality talent? Because I look at these past two matches as fantastic indications, but not, you know, they're, they're obviously lesser and, and whole are not going to win the league this year. So I think we need to prove it against United, prove it against city, prove it against, you know, Liverpool. And we see them again and, and see how that kind of works and maybe confuses, uh, you know, a more, a more standard formation.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think we're going to get that test coming up here pretty soon, gentlemen. So uh, just real quick, one word answer. Moses makes you feel Dan Dormer.
1: Oh, Moses makes me feel giddy. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's fantastic to watch. Uh,
2: Nick. Um uh, he he makes me feel happy i also think that he's very opportunistic he's taken an opportunity that might not have been tailor made for him and and made it his own and when you when you put that out there as you know he's kind of locked it down and given uh antonio conce a decision to make i think that is the the best way to put it right now he is he is just taking control my
0: Everyone's word is vindicated. <laughs>
1: because uh, he's he's been on the train for a while, and uh, I think he's getting uh, getting to eat the eat the cake as well as enjoy it.
0: Oh, dude's eating the cake because my word is passion, and that guy just loves to play. You can tell uh, he's like literally whatever you need me to do, Antonio. I'm going to do it, and I want to play. And I think he's done a fantastic job of doing that. Uh, Dan Levine,
3: um, I think I might say proud, actually. Because, you know, he, he came to Chelsea, it was all going to happen and it never really did. He's been wandering around for years, going places where he hasn't had football. And when he scored that goal against Leicester, he went up to the crowd and he kissed the badge. And I think, you know, that, that is a really, really good sign. Uh, and, and I'm quite proud of him for that.
0: Oh, I love it. You have that fatherly pride that the rest of us are sharing. Um, all right. True or false? Conte runs the team and doesn't take orders from anyone. Maybe like Diego Costa,
2: (laughs) Nick. Uh, True. Uh, There's. I I think yesterday was actually a really big moment uh, for Antonio Conte, and it's only because it worked out. You know, I mean, he made he made three big substitutions, none of which were to get Diego Costa out of the match, Um, and then Diego Costa did also. He didn't get a yellow card, which, you know, is obviously very positive. So he's able to play against Manchester United. Um, but when Diego and him were having an exchange, uh, you know, I think every commentator, you know, Dan Levine from here to Mars could see that uh, Antonio Conte was having none of Diego Costa's uh, BS, as as it were. And, uh, you know, in a, in a battle of passionate people, I mean, those two are among the most passionate people you can – uh, you can deal with but I, I think he showed that he was the boss
3: yeah totally um, and I, I think what we saw yesterday in that exchange was a little bit of house training going on in public almost um, he, he he was clearly sending a message there who's in charge uh, and afterwards um, Conte talked an awful lot about how he wanted to utilize Costa's passion how it is important to the team um, but also about how you know he, he needs him on the pitch and and that is obviously a message to to a man who spends an awful lot of time not on the pitch because of his own issues and his own behavior. So obviously I'd answer this totally does. Yeah, Ponte runs the team.
0: So my kind of confusion about this, because I believe Dan, you wrote that this went on almost like an awkwardly long amount of time. It wasn't just so like, yeah, Hey gaffer quick sub. No. Okay, cool. It just continued. (laughs) Um, so for me, like, it almost seems like, wasn't this talked about? Like Everyone else was talking about, what do we do with Diego Costa? Do we even play him? One more yellow card, he's going to miss United. You just assumed, I guess I assumed, maybe incorrectly, that Antonio and Diego would have been like, hey, here's our game plan, we're going to start you. Don't get a yellow. If I get a chance to sub you because we're up, I'll do it. It seemed like they just weren't on the same page about what the plan was.
3: I wonder if there's a little bit of a mis- uh, lack of belief mm in uh, Costa that he can go through a game without getting a yellow. He, he believes he's targeted by referees. He believes he's targeted by opposition players. And I think this is Conte trying to instil a bit of that belief in him, saying, yeah, he wasn't even looking at him. You know, uh, Costa was wave, waving his fingers in circles, saying, take me off. He was shrugging, hands on hips. He was looking surly. You know, the, the full, you know, te- you know uh, teenager tantrum type thing. But, but Conte was just looking the other way. Get on with it, you know. And he's saying, "Have the belief. You can do this." And he did. Ah, it was great to see.
1: Uh, and and Costa looks a little less intimidating without the beard. So if he wanted to pull that
2: off, he should have kept it. <laughs> Has- hashtag keep the beard. As <laughs> I would I would like to say.
0: Okay. Um, I guess you know here's a good chance for sub question. Uh, thank you f- to Nick for bringing this uh you know up but uh, Dan Levine what are your impressions of Mr Antonio Conte thus far
3: Um I like him actually he he seems to be uh, a very uh, interesting engaging fella uh he he talks well he's learning English very very well um he smiles a lot and that's great you know he's after after Mourinho who you know would only smile through gritted teeth for most of the last year um it's it's nice to see that he brings a bit of warmth to the room, and yeah, you know, he likes to answer questions. Uh, okay, there are some he can't answer about individuals and private relationships, but if you ask him something, he'll make the eye contact, he'll look at you, and he'll give you a fairly straight answer. And, and I think all of that is a bit quite refreshing, actually.
2: You know, Dan, just to kind of follow up, you know, we were um, lucky enough to attend one of his preseason press conferences. And I took away something that you know is is kind of a cool thing, and that he's very thoughtful. Like I feel like he puts, you know, he he will even you know take pauses before he answers a question to kind of think through how he wants to word something because it's very important to him that he doesn't get kind of twisted through, um, you know, a quote. But do you, do you get that sense that he's very you know he's very cerebral or very thoughtful about what he's actually saying?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think some of that also is that you have to remember he's he's just been manager of Italy. Yeah. If you think the British press is is on people's cases. If you're a football manager of the national side of Italy, you've got basically a whole newspaper dedicated to your words and actions every single day. Um, so it's a very difficult thing and you do have to be very careful. So that's part of it. But there is clearly quite a lot of going on in that grey matter between his ears. He's, he's obviously a very intelligent guy. And and that's also very very good to have.
0: Dan Doran, anything else you kind of want to ask Dan Levine about about Conte and kind of how he's done covering him so far?
1: Oh, I mean, I think you know I appreciate is the you know the, the reports asking him tactical questions because it seems like uh, you know it almost liken it to you know Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. You know, when you ask you know a general question about you know player availability or you know Kind of something stupid, you know. You get a quick response, and you know maybe a you know, kind of a, a smirk, and then it's over. But if you ask a tactical question or something that's you know kind of truly intimate to the, the sport, you know you're going to end up with a paragraph or two of really nice material to work off of. And, you know, I think that that's uh, you know, almost very refreshing versus what we've uh, what we've had come to know uh, from a managerial perspective.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's is positive that the circus that follows Mourinho everywhere and is currently following, to, following him to Manchester um, has, has been taken away from the, the press conference situation at Chelsea, and you know it's, it's 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 allowed the focus to be more on the football, which is where it's got to be at the end of the day.
0: Well, speaking of the football, Chelsea uh, as of. You know, Sunday, midday in America, are in fifth place with 16 points. Tied with Liverpool, who are in fourth, um, but they play Monday night. They play Manchester United, I'm sure, as all of you know. Uh, so depending on how that game goes, Chelsea could, uh, you know, well, we're in a good position, I think, it, 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 with the way everything's gone. Um, any other thoughts? I guess I just want to throw it open to you guys here uh, before we wrap up this match review, uh, starting with you, Dan Dormer.
1: I I think uh, looked great. I think the assist is something that I could watch again and again. And thankfully to uh, to those people who put it in gift format, our vines like I can do that until my eyes get numb and watered down. Need drops. So uh, you know, thank thank you for eye drop makers. Thank you for vine makers, and thank you Chalaba, for the assist.
2: Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with that. It's it's fantastic to see him get his home debut. Uh, I know it was only for you know 10 plus minutes or you know 20 minutes or something like that but uh the assist uh was something that was called live is audacious and I think it just shows that he has more elements to his game than just a defensive midfielder he's you know able to get forward able to attack and I think could very well push for a starting spot at the end of the year uh Dan Levine
3: yeah, well I hope I really, really hope so. It'd be great to see it having having followed him through from youth team level and, and, and seen the, the the incredible amount of potential he's got there, it'd be lovely to to see that happen. Really, really would. Um I think if I was to add anything as just sort of general context for the game, it'd be the bigger picture. I think um Chelsea fans, I think a lot of football fans these days, that um particularly it seems at Chelsea, are very, very quick. to to judge the direction of the club entirely based on the last 90 minutes. We lose a game, it's all terrible. The manager's going to get fired. We win a game, it's brilliant. We're going to win the league. I think what we're seeing here is a team that's evolving into the shape the new manager wants it to do. It's going to take time, and we're not there yet, but it's not all bad, it's not all good.
0: I think we can definitely start to see Antonio Conte's personality uh, starting to show through the team and as far as I'm concerned that is a good direction to be going so with that being said uh, let's go ahead and take a really quick break go ahead and give a shout out to our presenting sponsor World Soccer Shop and we'll be right back hey there Chelsea fans it's Brandon here I wanted to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor World Soccer Shop They supported us while we did our live podcast in Minneapolis by giving us a huge box of Chelsea gear for us to give out to you all, our listeners. So if you want to keep getting free gear from us, make sure to tweet at them, letting them know you listen to our show. To see exactly what official Chelsea gear they've got and that you can get for free, head over to www.worldsoccershop.com to see it all. All right, Chelsea fans, well, let's go ahead and talk about the crazy betting patterns that happened this week that said Antonio Conte would be the next manager sacked in the Premier League. As crazy as it was, uh, we thought you know we'd bring in a trusted, reliable source to uh, help us out with this. So, Dan Levine, uh, what do you have for us on this?
3: Okay, I, I think <clears throat> this is another example of social media going mad. I, I think uh, what what appears to have happened is that somebody has got it into their head that Conte is going to get the bullet. Um, they've had a little flutter on it. Uh, they've told some other people, and they've had a flutter. Then you've got a bookies, uh, a, a, a betting company, that's decided to try and make some, some uh, money out of this, effectively. They've told people, look, there's a run on betting on this, and everyone else has piled on, and, and the snowball goes, goes down the hill. It was never going to happen complete nonsense and this is the problem at the moment when you've got companies controlling the news in this way it you come up with nonsense like this
1: well, i also
3: i was gonna it, say i, I heard that,
0: that. <laughs> true um i also heard that there was also because of it a big bet from like Asia, they came in and that's what really got the bookies going crazy. Uh, But remember, like they have a business to run. They're not here to predict the future or tell you the truth. They're just here to take money on different things that are happening. And if obviously betting pattern starts to pick up, you know, they're going to slash odds uh, or even stop betting. So um, yeah, again, it was interesting. I'm sure it was pretty interesting for Antonio Conte to walk into his pre-match presser saying, do you still have a job, sir? (laughs) What's next, Nick? I mean, what, what else happened last week that maybe is exciting and cool for Chelsea
2: fans? Uh, big, big news um, would be that Chelsea finally announced their their new uh, sponsorship deal with Nike. Uh, so after exiting their Adidas agree- agreement six years early, I think, uh, you know, the, the odds were that Nike had come in with some crazy cash and, and really wanted to... add a marquee name to their roster and they did and and so did Chelsea and you know Dan Levine I I guess it's rumored to be about 60 million pounds plus a year uh and and that's just fantastic news for the transfer market huh
3: yeah it is Uh, and all of this money should be going because of the way financial fair play works it should more or less all be going into into team selection and, and purchases um it's it's the biggest kept, you know, the worst kept secret in the world, to be honest. And we've known about this for some time. As soon as the uh, Adidas deal had been uh, uh, sort of shelved, uh, we knew that there was only one company that could possibly move in, and it was Nike. Uh, I, I understand over 15 years there there is a mechanism for for bonuses for that figure to go up potentially. So 15 mil, 60 million a season now may not be that amount in 15 years time, um, but it's a, a really host of things, as you say and with the other sponsors carabao on the uh, training tops and with uh, yokohama the thai people on the on the first team shirt that's 110 million pounds a year coming in from the shirt on the chest
1: yeah it's putting us uh, overall at i think the the third get uh, in terms of sponsorships uh, in the world which is a pretty fantastic place to be in the- and credit to you know the the board uh, Perslo, to slow um, to you know getting it right within that element of it because you know for the financial play, fair play element we have to have a kid yeah that is uh, consummate with the quality of player that we want to bring in.
0: On a personal level, I'm pumped because I'm a Nike addict, uh, so this just fits in with my personal lifestyle. I appreciate Chelsea taking that into account as they look mm-hmm. at vendors. Yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> um what about this one so I, I sent the you guys an article late last night as i was you know doing prep for the pod that uh the rumor mill is cranking with walter sabatini as Roma's former technical director being linked to chelsea uh for our sporting director role which i believe we already have one of those don't we dan dormer
1: uh what we do we have uh evanalo who's the you know, Ball at Chelsea, and you know, I think it would present a little bit of a challenge. Unless uh, you know, with uh, everything that you know, Chelsea's into from a business perspective, is ready for uh, promotion. I, I don't necessarily see a, a downgrade in title or position for a trusted advisor for Abramovich uh, for support within the, the club. It, I, seems very odd. I think it's also another scenario of uh, someone working in Italy who happens to also work in the same places or in the same circles that Antonio Conte has worked in because of that uh, makes for a very easy uh, connection, Uh, especially for someone like Analo who's been in the past uh, for you know, where the, the blame should fall for, uh, for decisions that he may or may not have been the, the sole decision maker
0: in. Uh, Dan uh, Levine, has this kind of hit your news wire? Anything that you're aware of?
3: Um, it's, it's a difficult one because I think at Chelsea, the role of technical director is very much a part of the permanent civil service, if you like, of, of governing Chelsea. Um, whereas the job of manager is almost like a, a political governmental appointee that comes and goes every every term of office. Um, Michael Emanalo is obviously very, very trusted and valued by Roman Abramovich. And it would be very, very strange and not in keeping with the way Chelsea has worked in recent seasons for a man so close to the manager to be in that role. Um, I think a lot of people maybe might be keen to see it, a lot of fans who maybe don't understand or or don't value what Emanalo brings to the the team, but I, I, I think it's pretty unlikely to happen in the way it's been described.
0: All right, well, glad we've got you, the expert, uh, on board with us. But, you know, we just want to kind of touch on some some of the bigger ones uh, that we would kind of seen come across this week. So uh, moving right on to some me- social media questions. Uh, Stephen Clark asked if we think youthfulness on the subs we saw today were a result of some players missing. Uh, yeah, we covered that. Uh, Dan Levine confirmed that uh, they probably won't be seeing uh, all of those guys every single week uh, when you get Oscar Ivanovic, Fabregas, Willian, uh, back on the team bench. Uh Daniel Cheshire asks, Who do you think why do you think Conte doesn't take cost off for Batuai when the team is up three uh, nothing? again, you know, covered that. I think that uh, I really like your perspective, Dan Levine, about uh, giving him the confidence that, you know, he can actually finish a game uh and, and not pick up a yellow.
2: Really quick though, on the Batuai part, Dan Levine, do you do you see a an issue there? Obviously you know, Batshuayi has not really featured in the last few weeks and there's been plenty of opportunity too. Do you think that there's just a, a tactical adjustment being made there or we need to make sure all the, the starters are really confident in the, in their roles before making, you know, those kind of drastic substitutions or what do you think the deal is with Batshuayi?
3: I think there's a lot of that going on. I think um, Conte is trying to get his first 11 playing as, as an 11, as a team. And we, we've not seen that up until quite recently. Um once that's established, I think we might see a little bit more from them. Uh, people have been a bit frustrated. Some of the substitutions have been very, very late. They haven't maybe addressed the things people wanted. But I think as the season goes on, that will start coming into it.
0: All right, last one up is Conte, Taming the Beast. Uh, obviously talking about uh, Conte and Diego Costa, um, which again, thank you, Sarab, uh, for posting that. Uh, definitely did touch on that. Um, next one we got was kind of an interesting one uh, from Ryan on Twitter at it's Ryan X seven. Uh, we actually sent us, um, a screenshot of your tweet, Dan Levine, um, kind of talking about, uh, a lot of people abusing Gary Cahill on Twitter. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, it was just kind of an interesting situation. Ryan essentially thought that, um, your tweet directed towards these people being not real Chelsea supporters. Um, and he was like, well, I don't live in England. I don't get to go to the games. Does that make me a, not a real supporter? Uh, but I guess we're just going to kind of post it out there and just talk about like the ridiculousness that we do see on Twitter and kind of what your view of like being a real Chelsea fan is.
3: Yeah. I think there were, there were two aspects to this that were sort of thrown together in, in one discussion. First of all, the, the abuse that Gary Cahill had a couple of weeks ago and he's still getting, um, I've got to say, I've seen Twitter accounts with not just his name, but a number of Chelsea players named with F off in the, in the name of the uh, account beforehand. Um, there have been people sending um, Gary Cahill death threats via Twitter. Um, and, you know, there have been people saying that they hope he breaks his legs. Now, I think everyone will agree these people are not Chelsea supporters in any understanding of the name. They are people we don't want around the club. And in my experience, they are all people hiding behind some sort of uh, uh, fake uh, face uh, uh, and normally an awful long, long way away from Stanford Bridge. Um, if anybody can direct me to some similar death threats or, or, or um, threats of violence and they're in the UK, then then let me know and, and the Metropolitan Police will get a copy. The other thing that, that seems to have been quite contentious and maybe a bit misunderstood by someone is... is uh, the the, the line in there about um, uh, being a Chelsea supporter. And a lot of people seem to have um, misunderstood, I think. I think there's there's a lot of misrepresentation also also about this. Um, A supporter is somebody who goes to a football match and supports the team. If you don't go to the football match and support the team, it doesn't necessarily make you any less a fan. Some of the most committed fans I've ever met have never been anywhere near Stamford Bridge. They get up at three o'clock in the morning on the other side of the world to watch the team and cheer on that team. And and the passion is, is incredible. But a supporter, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, is somebody who goes to the game and supports the team. And that is the only difference there.
2: So, uh, you know, I, I want to take that on really quick, Dan, because I think that there is you know, it's, it's really easy to hurt people's feelings on Twitter. <laughs> and, you know, I think why context is so important in in our society today is because, you know, you can't just say something that's a boilerplate statement anymore. It has to be, you know, fluffed up and added, you know, a bunch of different contextual pieces before everyone can kind of understand it. And so, uh Ryan Suberg is a guy who you know we we've heard a lot from him on our Twitter account. He's been uh, very active in our community and someone who I think is generally pretty reasonable. I think maybe just had taken, uh, you know, the the supporter uh, statement that you just made out, out of context a little bit because I mean we're the same way. You know, we we live in America and so you know yesterday you know uh, we got up at six seven a.m. to watch the team. You know, on a day where we'd normally probably not do that. So. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of different pieces here. I think, you know, of, of all the journalists that we, you know, interact with on a regular basis, you know, you, you're um, you know, among the most reasonable people we've ever talked to. So I, I, I just want to, I wanted to put this out as a, as a topic to speak of because, you know, the way, the way that anyone can take something, it might be a little different than what you, Dan Levine, meant to kind of con- uh, convey,
0: I think uh, you know jumping in on this. It is interesting too. I in America, I consider fan and supporter synonymous. So that's really good to know because I'll be able to kind of read Twitter differently. But there's no doubt that uh, just because someone puts that they are a supporter of Chelsea in their bio or that they you know say that they like the team one week. Um, it's Twitter. People change their mind. People say things that they wouldn't normally say, and they're not necessarily like what we want to, you know, support as fans who, you know, we follow week in, week out. And so just another thing, uh, another thought that came out there, but yeah, Ryan, um, you know, spot on it, 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 catching it and trying to make sense of it. We just thought we'd bring it up cause uh, it's relevant and it makes a lot of sense. And obviously, um, you know, no harm meant towards you, someone who gets up and watches it every day or, or us that can't go to the match. It's the, the extreme few, the 1% that uh, we don't want to associate ourselves with. So thank you to all of you around the world. We have such a global audience uh, that does get up and watch Chelsea uh, at all hours of the day. And you are guys are awesome. Don't let the crazy ones ruin it. Right. Dan Levine. I
3: agree. A hundred percent.
0: Awesome. Um, okay, cool. Well, You know, with that being said, uh, I think we should go ahead and jump into this Manchester United preview. That's right. That means the return of Jose, Premier League action, Stanford Bridge. What type of welcome do you expect him to get, Dan Levine?
3: it's going to be interesting it's not going to be straightforward i don't think there are plenty of people who will be very very pleased to see him come back there are people who will chant his name there are people who still think he's a demigod and there are also plenty of people who were really really fed up with him by the time he left uh, were really um upset with the sort of scorched earth chelsea that he left after he went and are absolutely livid that he's gone to manchester united So, I think there will be a lot of both Um, and it has the potential, particularly once the game starts, that everyone gets behind Chelsea, hopefully, and therefore against Mourinho, for some fairly pointed um, stuff to go in his direction.
1: I think it's a great opportunity, potentially, for you know, those who maybe don't have the the fondest memory or whose opinions have soured to reflect upon maybe the, the quotes regarding uh, atmosphere and uh, noise at Stamford Bridge to uh, potentially offer up a uh, rather raucous atmosphere.
2: Yeah, I would I would agree with that. You know, but we also live in a society where you can't be both a fan of Jose Mourinho and a fan of Chelsea now. Like it's that's just the oh family. no yeah
1: you have to be one or the other right
2: <laughs> right yeah so <laughs> it's just it, it's so funny because I, I think Dan Levine is spot on there will be a group of people you know it could be as much as half who are just anti everything that Jose Mourinho has ever done and and can't reflect fondly upon uh, you know some of the great the good times and the great times that we've had uh, with that manager and then yeah, there will be some other fans who only reflect on that and can't remember kind of what what else has happened uh in its wake. So, you know, let's let's not be reasonable people and be able to to do both at the same time, you know? But,
1: uh it's it's like uh actively scorning someone that you you know, like a former partner, you know, that it's like I'm I'm just not gonna be allowing them to have any happiness, uh if I cannot be happy or, or something to that extent. And you know, I think it's uh, no cool heads will potentially prevail, but uh you know, we can definitely try to uh, preach our you know, level headedness as much as possible.
0: I don't know what you guys are talking about. I had to return a Jaguar that I bought. I had to return a Brighton watch. <laughs> I canceled my BT subscription. And the problem is Antonio Conte doesn't have these sponsorship deals, so I don't know what to like in life. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Can I just remind people of something that Jose Mourinho himself said not so long ago? Uh, this is after. Lamp- bring up. <laughs> yeah, he said this is. He said Frank Lampard is a Man City player, and he was at the time when he decided to go to a direct competitor. Then love stories are over.
2: Mm, that's very interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think the I, I think the love affair has dwindled, and I and I I love Jose personally, and I, there's nothing anyone can say, you know, to me that you know I will never. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep him in a positive light in my mind. So that's just kind of how I am. But I know a lot of people who, you know, through Jose's own actions and words, do not enjoy him anymore. And and I can understand that as well. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you yeah, know, I think we just let's be level headed about it. You know, he he is going to create in the press this week his own storyline that he will fulfill. You know, it, it's almost Donald Trumpian in the fact that the best thing for Jose to talk about is Jose. God, right, yeah. and, you know, and,
3: Jose to Donald Trump. That's God, dear. Yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's it's true. It's it's what he's done his entire career. It's just, you know, it, it, at some point it, that act gets a little old. So, um, he'll he'll find a way to make it about him, and hopefully, Antonio Conte just keeps his head down and focuses on the match and doesn't get involved in some of the the back and forth that I think Jose wants to do.
0: No, I don't think we'll have to worry about that from uh, Antonio Conte. What I do think is going to be um, a big influencer in how this week goes for both Jose and in return Chelsea is is how this match goes against Liverpool. Obviously, we're recording on Sunday, so we have no idea how this Liverpool-United game is going to go. But if United win, he's just going to be strolling in with so much confidence, Uh, But if Liverpool continue, you know, their really good form, United could be under a lot of pressure entering Stamford Bridge. And I think that the tone will be very different as far as the questions people are asking uh, Jose about what he thinks of his return to Stamford Bridge. Um, I don't know. Interesting. You know, like that's why we do this. I think that, you know, thankfully since United aren't top of the table and Chelsea are in 10th place, I think that that helps, you know, like – we both had our struggles, but the thing, you know, we'd said at the beginning of the season is we don't want that attention. And thankfully we're only going to get it probably a couple times this season. And one of those being anytime Jose is back around the Chelsea team. And that makes sense. So um, with that kind of going out there, uh, any other things that uh, we need to kind of pay attention to, or you guys have uh, thoughts going into this match, Dan Dormer?
1: Uh, you know, I think the concern on pace, have a very pacey front, uh, Rashford, you know, with uh, you know Ibrahimovic up front. Yeah, you know, so I'll be very interested to see, you know, from the three-four-three perspective, how that plays against uh, Mourinho's line up against us.
2: Yeah, right. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how our back line, uh, or you know, back three to five, however they line up, can kind of contain. Uh, you know an interesting Manchester United team who has all the talent in the world I also think the N'Golo Conte v Paul Pogba matchup is going to be very interesting as well and you know I, I I don't envy the position that Paul Pogba's in you know after you the the world record transfer at your position uh, you know everyone will just expect you to have a perfect 10 match every time you go out there so I don't I don't think that's necessarily fair to him, but he certainly hasn't lived up to some of the expectations for Manchester United fans. So, uh, Whereas I think N'Golo Kante has done that and more for Chelsea fans. And so uh, that'll be a very interesting matchup, Dan Levine, to uh, to watch.
3: Yeah, it would be fascinating. Um, it's, it's a game that's going to be largely won and lost in midfield, isn't it? Um, but I think also um, off the pitch is going to be such a major factor, starting from about... 20 minutes after full-time in the uh, Liverpool and Man United game, Mourinho is going to start trying to set the agenda for this game. Um, And we need to not be drawn into that. We need to be resolutely um, above that. And I, I think going into that, I think I'm very, very pleased and very grateful that we've got a man like uh, Antonio Conte who's able to do that and not be drawn into those things. I'd be very, very worried, for example, if we had a, an Arsene Wenger who was so easily rattled by these mind games. That doesn't appear to be the case with the current Chelsea manager.
0: I like it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode. It has been fantastic. Time flies when Dan Lamine is on the pod. So real quick, a couple podcast uh, statistic updates for you guys, our listeners. I would like to keep you involved because you are the best. So uh, real quick, just so you guys know, we're already at 57,000 downloads this season. Uh, We're averaging over 3,000 per show. And just to give you some perspective, we had – Um, you know, under just under 150,000 downloads last year, the entire season We're eight matches in, we're already past a third of the way of that. So we're looking to, you know, double, triple this past season's numbers. Uh, so a massive thank you because again, we are just growing and growing and it's because of the support we see from all of you. So we're going to keep trying to integrate you into the show as much as we can. Keep your questions coming. Let us know what you want to hear. Dan, what about you?
1: I think I'd love to you know, thank everyone who's uh, had a chance to give us a proper review on iTunes. At uh, you know, almost uh, you know 90 worldwide, we kind of take into account the U.S. iTunes store, uh, Canada, U.K., Australia, yeah, India, they're there. I just can't see them because um, so I guess you have to log into the store differently, but uh, just really uh, not just even just, you know, kind of five stars, but some awesome comments too. And uh, those are great ways for us to connect.
0: Nick, go ahead and wrap us up. What do you got for him?
2: Yeah, I think the uh, the coolest part of this whole thing and, and the numbers are staggering. I think, you know, we, we were talking before the show that this has scaled <laughs> much more quickly than, than any of us anticipated. Um, and it's it's been crazy to keep up with. I mean, if you look at, even our, our Facebook group, I think we've added like 500 people in the last week. It was just ridiculous. It's like kind of head spinning to, to see all the support. But I think the coolest part of this whole thing has been that people from over 60 countries have downloaded our podcast, which on a heat map just looks uh, very, very cool. And it, and, it, and it provides a perspective of not only how big Chelsea is as a, a squad around the world and a, a global brand, but also, um, you know, how fan influence can, can be received around the world as well. And that's what we are. We're, we're fans, we're supporters, uh, in whatever definition Dan Levine would like to give us. Um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I think that there's, there's something to be said for, you know, a a community of people just getting together and enjoying, uh, the, the football that Chelsea is playing. And, and we, we cannot thank you enough for, you know, an English based American based podcast to make it, uh, kind of this this big around the world is fantastic and just many, many things.
0: All right. Well, with that being said, we are going to wrap this bad boy up. But before we go, Dan Levine, where should we be finding your fantastic articles and what should we be looking out for?
3: Um, I – got something coming out uh, this week um, I, a lot of the stuff we talked about here with uh, wingbacks and Moses I've written a piece for early week uh, for Eurosports you'll be seeing it there you'll also see my stuff on uh, Get West London which is the, uh, the local paper down in um, Chelsea and um, I do some stuff for uh, UMAX it as well and if you're up very very early in the morning in the UK you can sometimes hear me on Talksport.
0: The man of so many talents. We, we appreciate it, Dan, uh, for you being a guest and adding so much, um, you know, of information that we had no idea about. So, as always, thank you. For everyone else, you guys know the drill, okay? Big week ahead of us. We got Jose versus Chelsea. Tweet at us. Let us know what to expect and what your predictions are. And until next time, keep the blue flag flying high, Chelsea fans. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.